The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Because I'm happy. And we are live once again, coming to you from the city of brotherly love, none other than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, broadcasting from and hanging out in the WWDB 860 AM studios. You've tuned yourself in to another episode of the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. What that means is we are bringing you the best ideas for what actually works for managing health issues, not just what has the most money behind it. By the way, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. You can reach out anytime or check out my work at evantransu.com. Well, we have an interesting topic today. These are some of my favorite interviews to do. I do a lot of podcasting outside of the radio show itself, and... One of my favorite types of interviews, what I'm referring to, is topics that I know just enough about to be curious, but really have so much to learn, and that's exactly the type of thing that we're going to be diving into today. Now, if you've been listening for a little bit, one of the common themes you may have noticed is that there is a difference, in my view, between Western medicine, what I would call maybe natural medicine, and you know, functional medicine, or whatever it is that I do exactly, right? The difference is this. Western medicine uses allopathy. Now, that's not a bad thing. None of these are inherently bad or good, by the way. Allopathy, what that is, is the treatment of conditions with drugs and surgery. Nothing wrong with that. Natural side of things, it has kind of moved to a more natural allopathy. It used to be more holistic, but now it's basically just, okay, well, rather than this medication, we're going to recommend this natural supplement or, you know, this natural treatment or whatever, and, you know, go on your way. Here you go. Again, not necessarily bad, but I think both of those are kind of incomplete when used incorrectly. And then we get to the third one, which is the functional side of things. And when people are truly addressing things functionally in the correct way, they are going to not really care about whether we use Western or natural medicine, but we're also going to ask why the person has the condition to begin with. So I definitely focus on that third option a lot, but I think it's also important to highlight the second option too, which is the natural treatments, right? I want to make sure people understand what are some really good, high-quality natural treatments that are uh, getting results for people and even on cutting-edge type of stuff. That's what we're going to talk about. So this is what we're doing today. We're actually going to get into kind of mental health and how psychedelics can be used for the treatment of that. Again, something I'm completely ignorant to, but the stories that I have heard, it's enough for me now that I'm starting to pay attention. I'm seeing some of the science come out. I love being on top of things before they're mainstream. And we're going to be interviewing a guy today who knows a lot about this. His name's Corey Firth, and he is a former media agency founder and human impact entrepreneur with 10 plus years of experience in communications, brand strategy, business design, functional health, and human optimization. He spent the last two years and over $100,000 on completely rebuilding his mind, body, and inner self through a series of uncommon experiences experiences that completely transformed his uh, physical and mental health, helping him uncover a new path for his life and work. Corey has committed his career to a vision of the future where mental health and disease are viewed as holistic, collective experiences, and the shame and stigmatization of our communities are replaced with compassion and connection. A future where Canada, because Corey is from Canada, inspires the world with its ability to accept, support, and provide opportunity for all of its people to reunite with our innate abilities to heal, overcome, and actualize our full potential. Corey serves as the interim excuse me, executive director of the Canadian Psychedelic Association and is the host of the Innate in us podcast. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm excited to dive into this today. Corey, my friend, thank you so much for being here. 
Hey, Evan, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well. So you're currently in Canada, correct? I am, yeah. Located in Kingston, Ontario, which is just north of uh, Syracuse. All right, our first international guest. Excellent. There we uh, go. <laughs> so I always like to dive in on this show um, with people's stories and their health challenges, and we could certainly go into as much depth as this uh, as you're desiring to. Um, everyone that has come on here because of the space that we're in, as you definitely know and can relate to, has had a personal story with these health issues. It's very rare that someone just got into this accidentally. Um, so let's get into that to the degree that you're comfortable. When did health issues start for Corey? Was it really young, maybe teenage years, adult years? And what did that look like? Um, yeah, for me, so like just general health concerns, both physiological and emotional or psychological, sort of started to um, rear its head around maybe 10 years old. More on the on the the psychological side, that's kind of when depression sort of hit in for me. Um, but on the physiological side, which is really what kind of stirred um, the stirred the pot enough for me to go and make some make some new decisions around how to overcome the health concerns, sort of kicked in around uh, early twenties, um, and that's when I sort of started to develop some chronic fatigue and. Um, yeah, various uh, mental health issues that were just deteriorating over time and led me to develop a, um, uh, a tumor in my throat, benign tumor, but uh, took a, a few years to really figure out what it was, um, which I ended up having to get surgically removed, which wow. was kind of that topping on the cake was like, I need to get, I need to kind of get my, my mental and physical health in order because I always knew um, that the, the, the driver for me in terms of my health concerns were psychological, they were stress-based. Um, and I mean, I mean, stress-based generally, and we can dive into that, of course. And I know you're, you're very familiar with that with your work. Um, but for me, it was coming from the mind first. And that's why I say it sort of perpetuated from the age of 10 um, for various reasons related to conditioning and, and the environment that I lived in. And I had a great family, great childhood, uh, amazing upbringing, amazing parents, but um, with everything, you know, uh, there is that conditioning that happens, whether it's culturally or within your family systems. Uh, for me, it was, it was really tied to, uh, competitive sports and that need to perform that kind of stuck with me and, and, um, and really laid the groundwork for my conditioning to, to build up my depression and anxiety, which led to suicidal ideation and, and yeah, various chronic health concerns that, that I just mentioned too, relating to that, that tumor in my throat. But that's kind of a summary, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, I'm sure there's lots to pick off there, and we can we can kind of play the the strings and wherever they go. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, one of the things that I realized I kind of had to define when um, I was writing my mental health book was the difference between what I call circumstantial and non-circumstantial mental health issues. And that's not clinical by any means, and I'm sure someone else has referred to this in a different way. But what that means for those listening is circumstantial mental health issues, in my mind, are people that have series of traumas or very clear things where they can point to something that said, oh, you know what, this did this, and this caused anxiety, or that caused depression, I was fine before XYZ event happened. And there are tons of people out there like that. I've had plenty of friends that have gone through that, right? And then there is the non-circumstantial side of things. And that is the category that I most resonated with. Now, that does not mean you have some perfect life where everything is sunshine and rainbows and nothing ever goes wrong. But it seems as if 
the circumstances in your life don't really add up to the symptoms. So based on what you said here, it kind of seems like there's a little bit of a, a mix because, you know, you had this really good family life. Corey, would you say that you know, based on those definitions, which one did you fall more into kind of the circumstantial or non-circumstantial side of things? Uh, I'm not sure if I identify with that fully from my okay. perspective, just from my experience. I think, uh, one of the, one of, and, and this might flow out and, and it maybe land me in one of those buckets. It's not that I disagree with what you're saying. It's just more of a, my perspective of it individually. Um, Gabor Mate, if you're, if you're not familiar with him, he's a really uh, well-known Canadian uh, psychotherapist. I think that's his title. I know he's, he carries a few different uh, uh, degrees, but um, he says that that um, um, that trauma uh, or depression is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a little bit of both, right? You've got this lived experience from the past that then transforms into, um, you know, emotional reaction or emotional understanding or lack thereof that then sort of progresses over time with, uh, with age and growth and, and new experiences that then sort of form, uh, your impression on, on the world. And some of it's good, some of it's bad on the depression side of things, or on the mental health side of things. I think that, um, a lot of what, ails us in the present in the present is our inability to understand that um we're we're constantly trying to live in in the past in the that there then scenario or the future in a what where when scenario and we're and we're not able to really live in the that there now scenario the present scenario and a lot of that comes with anxiety of the future and fear from the past and i think that um, for me, my, my understanding, um, and I, and I look to a lot of, like, I just, I call them mentors, but my bookshelf mentors, like Dr. Joe Dispenza, if you're familiar with his work oh, on yes, quantum very physics much so. and the relation to the, the cellular growth of this type of stuff. And so I think it's, it's a little bit of both maybe is a better <laughs> summary for me. And, and maybe it's even 50, 50, because I kind of look at it as that, that, that growth from the, the childlike experience, because um, and I'm sure, as you know, um, you know, when you're born to the age of seven, you're in this theta brainwave hypnotic state. And that's just really, you're just a sponge. You're just taking everything in. And then really sort of once that transforms and you start to evolve and your brain starts to change, you then have to sort of work with that, that information. Uh, it's almost like your hardware and your software on your, on your phone. Our hardware is obviously that growing body and mind that, that are continuing to evolve. But the software is that update that we need to kind of continue to refresh and to, to look at and, and clear out the cash, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of the perspective that I come at it from. I, I'm not sure if that answered the question or if, if that landed in a, in the area that you were hoping, but that's the way I see it. No, Corey, Corey, that's excellent because I mean, you know, the book was written ideally for young adults, um, and maybe even parents, you know, dealing, uh, with young adults dealing with this stuff. Um, and, it's overly simplistic for a purpose, right? And I genuinely agree with everything you just said. So I think that's just a better way to look at it and kind of expands upon those two definitions. But the reason I had asked is because I definitely always want people to understand where we're coming from on this show. And I believe a lot of the times the non-circumstantial stuff, which plenty of people, I mean, I really, truly, I would say about 80 to 90% of my stuff is non-circumstantial. Well, you know what? When they're not having results with the medications or even the therapists sometimes, it's like, Go figure. That's not the problem. You know, maybe they have 
neuroinflammation because they're eating foods that their body's reacting to, right? You can take all the medication in the world. You can go to all the therapy. If the problem is neuroinflammation because of foods that they're sensitive to, that's what they need to address. You might get better with those things. You might feel a little better, but you need to address that. And I think in that second category, because I've had, you know, friends, um, you know, even one that passed away that have just been through horrendous things. And that is where I am such a proponent of bringing in medication and therapy and stuff. It would be insulting to tell some of these people, oh, you know what? Um, I'm just going to ignore all the things that you've been through. You need to eat better and sleep better, and I'm sure you're going to feel fine. No, <laughs> it, it's just like the other thing that I just said. They might feel a little better, but they're not going to be where they're at. So um, uh, or get to where they need to be at. Excuse me. We're about a minute and a half before the break, but I'm curious, what was the point where you started trying to address this stuff? Like even at 10, when you were starting to have mental health symptoms, did you do something about it or was this not until later in life? Yeah, I just don't think I had the. I don't think I had, and this will probably lead into something further in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, it's a, and I don't mean to generalize, but um, a very male. I, I was faced with a very male-focused suppression of my emotions at a young age, just because of the nature of what my elders had around me that were able to uh, teach me about, right? Which they just didn't have the capacity to handle that, and um, and I think in in the sports. Um, realm and in competitive sports you're kind of to suppress everything so at a young age i was i i had learned to just bury it and then um for me it was really uh once that tumor set in then i was like what's going on here i I need to figure this out and i know it's not just a physiological response it's something bigger because i had been facing a lot of stress and depression and anxiety and suicide ideation Hmm. and so it was around 28 when i really decided to make a change. I never really believed in the allopathic, like you were describing in the intro approach of the Western um, side of things. I do appreciate it. And I, I see a very important need for it, of course. But when it came to mental health, I believed in the holistic experience that it was a mind body um, situation. So at 28, that's when I decided to really make that shift. And, and I'm sure we'll get into more of that. Well, perfect. That's a great way to leave people. And we will be right back after these quick commercial breaks. Tired of talk radio shows that are nothing but Trump, Trump, and more Trump? Looking for something that actually has some relevance to your life? Then tune into The Pennsylvania Project. Hi, I'm Ken Krawchuk, host of The Pennsylvania Project. Our mission is to showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and we're all about solutions. So tune in Mondays, 3 p.m. here on WWDB, 860 a.m. in Philadelphia. When the problem is same old, same old talk radio, the correct solution is the Pennsylvania Project. My friends, are you tired of your dog embarrassing the heck out of you every time someone comes over? Jumping on your guests, barking at them nonstop, things like that? Well, then you need to talk to Eric Katz. Eric Katz is a great friend of mine who has been in the dog business for years now. He offers doggy daycare, boarding, and training for Bucks in Montgomery County in Pennsylvania. The guy's got more five-star Facebook reviews than you can even count, and he even won Best of Montgomery County for boarding and pet training. I actually lived with Eric for a while, and I saw him fix issues like the ones that we just talked about in a matter of two to three weeks. The guy is a dog whisperer. You can get in contact with Eric by heading over to catsdogsk9.com. Cats is spelled K-A-T-Z. That's K-A-T-Z Dogs K9.com. When you give him a call, tell him you know Health Coach Ev. Hey everyone, it's Health Coach Ev here once again. A few questions for you. Are you listening to this show to better your own health? 
Have you tried changing your diet around, maybe seen some results, but aren't quite where you'd like to be? Are you tired of playing guessing games with which supplements to take or being told that your blood work looks normal, even though you certainly don't feel so normal? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I have an amazing opportunity for you. Right now, you can be coached by a practitioner certified by the exact same program that I always reference as being the main contributing factor to restoring my health, functional diagnostic nutrition. FDN practitioners are part of a group of elite health professionals who are highly skilled at identifying healing opportunities that no one else has uncovered for you, which I can attest to uh, myself. They use cutting-edge functional lab testing, and through these tests, they'll be able to show you the hidden causes of your chronic health concerns. For me, it was these FDN practitioners who were finally able to explain to me why I had dealt with over a decade's worth of mental and physical health symptoms and what I needed to do in order to uh, truly heal my body. There is a very limited number of people they can currently work with, and in fact, you're going to have to hop on the wait list. Make sure you don't miss the next opportunity to work with one of these incredible professionals. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. That's FDNThrive.com and then click the Get Started Here button. And we are back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. I'm your host. We're talking to Corey Firth out of Canada, all about mental health and psychedelics. We haven't really gotten into the psychedelics part yet. It's a new topic to me, but we're certainly about to. Uh, Before we get to that, Corey, I just wanted to kind of continue where we had stopped before the break, and that was talking about the time that you actually started getting into um, doing something about these health concerns, right? Because all too often, Mm -hmm. especially with mental health issues, I hear people going for years without getting any help. So you started dealing with symptoms at 10 and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you said it was almost a 20 something, 28 years old before you were addressing these things. Is that correct? Yeah, that's well, I mean, I, I, there's, there's an element to the biohacker culture that I think is related to some of this stuff. Uh, so I was constantly in my maybe like late teens, really early twenties is when like, I think subconsciously things started to kick in. So then I started, you know, supplementation and seeing naturopaths and doing all of these other things. But at 28, when I, um, when I developed the tumor, that's when I realized that there was the connection or that's when I put the connection together, that there was a physiological and psychological response that um, was creating a lot of my, my health concerns. And that's when I really started, sort of started to take some action. That that is so cool. It is um, something that all of us on the show, you know, either someone that I'm co-hosting with or someone that I'm interviewing can relate to that moment or those moments. It might be a series of moments when you realize, Oh, wait a second, there's more to this this is connected. I have headaches and anxiety, and those might be related. That's a really powerful uh, moment and really empowering moment. So when you are starting to, you know, really address this stuff, what's the first step? Are you going more conventional route or or what steps did you take? Uh, I mixed it in. I I never believed, especially on the mental health side, I never believed that SSRIs were for me. I think that they have their place um, for certain individuals and I'm not in any way trying to discredit that. I just think that um, where we're at with things now, there's a lot of proof and there's a lot of, um, uh, I guess, anecdotal, even even to a broader extent, um, experience with various natural um, experiences that can help you through this stuff. So I kind of try, I dabbled, like I looked into the sort of Western approach and I thought, okay, let me, let me see what's there. But then I always reverted back to um, the natural, more the natural approach, knowing that I, I think 
um, I always had a trust in my innate ability to kind of overcome and heal from within. Um, but I did, you know, I did dabble in certain uh, Western um, approaches. I, I think even just like from a mental health side of things that, you know, talk therapy, I can say that I've done every therapy there is out there, whether it's <laughs> cryotherapy, electroshock therapy, psychotherapy. Um, I even, I've even done uh, equestrian therapy, which is like therapy with horses. And we can talk about that. <laughs> Jeez, okay. It's not my, it doesn't work for me, but I know there are people out there that get a benefit from it, but I was kind of desperate. Right. And I didn't want to, I knew what SSRIs did. It suppressed serotonin, suppressed uh, the root cause, which is a lot of what you talk about. It, it, it pushes you away from the source of the issue and um, just dumbs down, dumb, dumbs down your symptoms. And for me, a symptom is something halfway out. And so if we suppress it, it's going to stay halfway there and it'll be in this sort of purgatory, purgatory stage where you're not really sure what exactly it is and you can't really fully overcome it. And you're in this place. And for me, the way I've described it is this, like I said, this purgatory of um, not really fully wanting to live, but not really fully wanting to die. Mm-hmm. And so that's an interesting difficult place to be. And then um, it was really the trip down to Costa Rica that we can surely talk about where I experienced um, uh, psychedelic uh, therapy for the first time. And that kind of transformed everything. And, and then I've come back with a whole new, uh, a new, new approach and new view. Okay. Wow. I had, because again, uh, folks, for those listening, this, I'm, I never lie on this show. Like if I say, I don't know, I guess that well, or, you know, I just have a respect for them and I'm learning their story. It is the truth. And I had no idea you were going to mention Costa Rica. Um, because what you probably don't know, Corey is I haven't announced this publicly yet, but it's kind of just a fun thing to say. We're currently a couple buddies and my, uh, myself are working on a retreat center down there. Um, in very, very southern Costa Rica, because I believe it is a wonderful place to go and heal. And I think that's very interesting that you found something there that worked for you. So um, I'd love to dive into that. What the heck drove you to Costa Rica? And what were you planning on doing there? Yeah, I, uh, well, I'd love to talk with you about your re- retreat center. I know a lot <laughs> of folks down there that are doing that are doing various things in various ways. And there's a huge, there's a great community down there, as you I'm sure you're aware but uh, yeah, so the thing, what was the question again? Sorry, the, 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 what drove me there? Yeah, yeah, because I had never known that that was a part of your story. So like, no, you're not going to Costa Rica just randomly. It seems like it had an intent, and I'm wondering what that one was, if sure. it was just the psychedelic sure. experiences maybe. Yeah, I think when I first heard about, it was it was a psychedelic experience. that That's what drove me there. Um, when I first heard about psychedelics, I think it was through maybe Tim Ferriss, um, listening to his podcast. Um, and that kind of got me into it, dabbling here um, in North America, just experiencing things on a personal level, um, very intentionally and intimately, um, with just some friends and, and partners of mine. And and um, and then I had heard about ayahuasca. I, I don't know the timeline of all this stuff, but you know, I heard about ayahuasca, and it sounded insane. But at that point, I needed that punch in the face. I needed that that wake up call. And, um, so I ended up going down there for a seven day retreat, um, taking part in four, um, ceremonies with uh, shamans from all over the world and a a group of amazing, uh, other amazing. And that's kind of what, what drove me there. And then, you know, there's, once you start to open the door on psychedelics, there's so much information. There are so many people that offer different things, but I felt like I needed personally, I needed like a, a pretty safe, environment to go to. So I went to a, a place down in Costa Rica um, that was very uh, westernized in its safety and, and um, uh, accommodations, but uh, very intentional and very, 
uh, respectful of the traditions of these medicines um, in the in the ceremonial side of things. So that's what drove me down there, and what will what will bring me back down there. Like I said, I have some friends down there and some colleagues that are building stuff down there, and it's a beautiful, beautiful country and a very healing country too. As you, I'm sure you are aware. <laughs> well, yeah, the tropics are. I mean, I'm big into it for different reasons, like sunlight and you know. When someone's sick, I don't think this is something you necessarily need to worry about long term, but if someone's sick, I do think there's absolute benefit to uh, lower EMF areas. Um, and, you know, going to somewhere like Central America is pretty low EMF in certain places, you know, especially compared to something like the USA, uh, where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm in Philadelphia, you know, getting blasted. Now, again, if you're healthy, I don't think it's as big of a problem, but I, I think the literature is pointing pretty clearly um, towards people being sick and that having an effect on them. So that's a side note. Now, I'm curious here, and I think we should probably almost kind of take a step back before we get into the experience itself. You know, I know for a fact that unfortunately there's going to be many people out there and through no fault of their own, don't know much about this, do not understand the healing powers of some of these psychedelic drugs. And for the record, I have never used um, these types of things. The most psychedelic drug I've ever done is marijuana. You know, that's, that's my personal story. So I'm not biased here. This is not me just promoting this for the sake of promoting it. It's a genuine interest. You know, how do we separate this from someone who's just out there getting high? Because let's be honest, there's a lot of people going out there doing silly stuff, but there are years, thousands of years of natives and indigenous tribes using these things ceremonially and for spiritual purposes. So can you just please describe the difference and like maybe how this stuff has been used in the past and why it should be respected and not used as something that, oh, let's just go do ayahuasca on a weekend for the sake of doing that. Cause that's a pretty crazy thing to do in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good place to start. Um, I appreciate you going taking a step back there. For me, I, I do also want to say that these are not a the, the, these and I'll call them medicines too. They've been categorized as drugs, and I, I understand that too. But there's a there's a long line of of healing um, that have uh, that has been that have occurred over the years, like you mentioned, for thousands of years, that um, that lead them to be medicines, not necessarily drugs in the in the classic sort of like U.S. view or or even the North American or Western view. Um, but they're not a panacea. They're not a cure-all. They're not a silver bullet. And that has to be clearly communicated to people. And, and when I talk about it or when anyone talks about it, it's important to say that this is not for everybody. There are many, many options for people to overcome their mental health issues, concerns, illnesses. Um, this is my approach. This is what's worked for me. And this is what's worked for a lot of people. And the studies are now showing um, uh, the the science is now showing uh, how effective these can be from many, many different angles. A lot of that's happening in Europe, uh, but there's more and more growing throughout uh, the U.S. And, and in Canada, and that's kind of what, what my mission is about. But I think uh, just to kind of give like a summary, I think for a lot of people, the reason they feel that they are sort of uh, categorized or classified as, as a drug or as like a, as a sort of a bad thing is because of the way they've been uh, publicized since the 50s and 60s, which is when they were sort of outlawed from the research and use perspective. Um, there were uh, many different, and I don't want to put any sort of um, any shame on anyone from the past uh, that has sort of been a part of what maybe got this, uh, got these uh, drugs classified for what they were and, and sort of outlawed in North America. Um, but there were many scientists and researchers in the 50s and 60s that were moving things forward and then it kind of got out of hand and celebritized a little bit and um i think the war on drugs were really started through um a lack of understanding and that's where we've kind of been at for the last 34 years 
as we um, slowly come out of underground, right? So in the, in the late uh, 60s, they sort of went underground. You weren't allowed to research them. You weren't allowed to use them. You weren't, they were classified for drug and you would face a major prison time for the possession of any of these substances that I'm referring to. And we can do the long list of them. But um, because of that, we went for, you know, until about the 80s um, um, before they were, be, uh, were studied again. So that's a long time for, a, for an area of science to be kind of stuck in the vault and not really able to move. So um, it's, it's caused a lot of, uh, it's caused a lot of people to kind of really get back on the train once they sort of, the, the, the idea of them being harmful has sort of subsided a little bit. Now that still exists and there's a bit of a stigma behind it, of course, still, and that's slowly breaking down. Um, but you can see over the last couple of years specifically, the amount of research that has gone into it to sort of prove the efficacy of these things is what's really kind of changing um, people's minds a little bit. And there are, are many people that you can turn to, uh, like Tim Ferriss, for example, or Michael Pollan, who wrote a great book called How to Change Your Mind. Um, and there's just tons and tons of people now talking about it. And it's, it's coming at it in a different approach. And that's where I think things have changed a little bit. And so I think at the end of the day, what we have to understand is that, like I said, these aren't for everybody, um, but they are, they are options for people that I think we have to consider and we have to be open to understanding them a little bit more and not um, quickly judge them based on our past experience, be open to new ideas, be open to new thinking, be open to new ways of healing. I think that was a great way to kind of preface the deeper conversation here because it is important to recognize, you know, um, I think the stigma is very prevalent and it's silly to me because you know what? The by definition, these are drugs, right? But drugs can also be medicine. That's not these are not two separate things, right? You know, if someone yeah. uses a benzodiazepine, which for those that don't know, would be like a Xanax, Klonopin, Ativan, Valium, whatever, um, for a plane ride. Right. You know, I've had to do that in the past. That's not the worst thing in the world. You start abusing Xanax every single day. Okay, that's a problem. Right. It's something to be treated with respect, just like these psychedelics are things to be treated with respect. And we're going to talk a lot more about the specifics right after these quick commercial breaks. Hey, when you know that you or a loved one would do much better mentally with something more than what your current doctor is doing, you can head to the Patient Experience Center at dhalab.com. View their advanced brain chemistry consultations to quickly and easily test and optimize with an MD. Take brain health in your own hands today with a 10% discount. Use the code HEALTHCOACHEV when checking out for a 10% discount on any test and consultation services. And again, that is dhalab.com. I use those personally in, I use these guys, excuse me personally in my practice they are absolutely fantastic and their prices are pretty dang good definitely check them out dhalab.com now on the health coach Ev show we often don't believe in genetic fate when it comes to chronic disease what i mean is while our genes may play a role it is ultimately our environment and lifestyle that dictates our health i genuinely believe that However, something very cool about our modern technology is that it allows us to look at where our genes may have some weak links. When we take a, a look at the person's weak links in their genetics and then correlate them with their symptoms, we can give them specific nutrients and supplements to greatly support them while they do the work to get better. Imagine getting to feel a lot better in a short period of time, only to feel even better over the next several months. Sounds pretty good to me, right? If you're interested in learning more about this type of testing and need a practitioner who can analyze it and make appropriate recommendations, go to evantransu.com and fill out the contact form. That's E-V-A-N-T-R-A-N-S-U-E.com. 
Bet.com and fill out the contact form. And we are back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and we're talking to Corey Firth out of Canada, finally getting into the meat of this conversation. So we've been talking about his struggles with mental health, eventually getting diagnosed with a benign tumor that did need to be surgically removed, um, and how that kind of led him to really starting to take this stuff seriously and exploring, hey, like I need to actually address these health issues going on, be as many of us in that have dealt with mental health issues don't necessarily address it on day one. Um, in fact, it's usually not even year one. It's many, many years down the road. And that's something we certainly want to change on this show. So we're looking at this today, something that is new to me, um, something that I am learning plenty about. And it's kind of exciting just to see what this stuff can do for people. So we just got to where Corey has gone down to Costa Rica, um, and he is about to go on a seven-day retreat using ayahuasca, which is a quite powerful um, psychedelic that's been used for, Corey, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, is this thousands of years that this thing has been used? Yep, thousands of years. Yeah, and it, typically this is coming out of the Amazon basin in, in uh, South and Central America. Wow. Okay. So, what before like I, we talk about the retreat itself? I have one just quick question. Did you have any experience with any other psychedelics? Like I know, um, uh, I feel like a lot of people would maybe use something like mushrooms, magic mushrooms, before going and doing something like that. Or was this like, hey, you know, we're just going all in <laughs> right from the get go? Yeah. So my experience, I had. Um, ex- uh, I've been uh, an advocate for plant medicine for 15 years um, in various contexts, more socially in the beginning where it was like cannabis and, and then mushrooms and mushrooms more socially. And then um, over time I found a benefit to them that just kind of let me be a little bit more free and uninhibited. And, and then just before I went down to Costa Rica, I had done a uh, what's called a heroic dose of mushrooms. So it's five grams plus, and uh, I think it's five, maybe it's six. But uh, it's a higher dose of, of mushrooms that kind of enact this sort of ego dissolution. And so that was the kind of, I don't know, for me, it felt like a training ground for ayahuasca, which is uh, one of the more potent psychedelics. Um, but I also met a ton of people down there that had never done it before. A lot of people actually didn't even really know what they were into and <laughs> had very interesting experiences, but great experiences. But um, yeah, it's not a precursor by any means, but it, uh, for me, it was one of those things that I needed to have a little dabble in or have a little taste with before. Yeah. Those people just saw the brochure. They're like, yeah, Costa Rica looks awesome. I'll go do this seven day <laughs> thing, you know? So, all right, <laughs> you get down to Costa Rica. Um, and when we'll just jump right into the actual part of when you're doing this, I know there's a lot of preparation, so you could talk about that if you'd like, but I want to know, man, I mean, what the heck does this feel like when you take something like ayahuasca? Yeah. So the, the, the thing I will preface with is that, it's individual to everybody. So my experience will not be your experience and your experience will not be anybody else's experience. And so it's important to really make that distinction that no matter what you hear, no matter what you think you know about it, um, you're going to experience something much different. And so the, maybe it's the sort of pop culture version of what psychedelics are, where you see in movies and these crazy trippy visuals and stuff like that. There are, there are pieces of that. But a lot of what it is, is it's, it's really connecting you to, um, I don't want to sound too esoteric either, but connecting you to a divine source within the universe. Um, now, I, I know that that sounds a little bit woo-woo or a little bit out there, but there is a sort of natural connection that you feel to something bigger than yourself. 
And that really was what I needed. Um, and I'm kind of maybe veering off track here. So catch me back if I, if I don't answer what you were, you're what good. You were looking you're good. for there. But the idea for me was going into it is, and I didn't realize this until I'd gone through it, but I was essentially a, uh, just a floating head for, for years. Um, probably my whole life where I just was intellectualizing everything. Everything was thoughts and emotions and I had no connection to my body. And when I say my body, I really mean the, the more, uh, information that's stored within the neurons in your heart and in your stomach, um, and in your lungs, which I'm sure you've talked about before. And I'm sure you know a lot about, we can talk more about, but I didn't even know that, like, I thought your heart was just a, a, an area for pumping blood. I had no connection to the idea of where that uh, comes from when, when we're talking about emotional trauma or, um, you know, mental illness. And so for me, what, what it allowed me to do is really kind of um, connect the mind and the heart, connect the mind and the body. Um, and, uh, and, and it really allowed me to sort of see past my, my illusions. So for me, uh, I, can, I can kind of take it out, outside of the spiritual realm a little bit too and talk more about the science and where... Uh, what really happens on these uh, in these experiences, and a lot of what you'll, you you might hear is this idea of ego dissolution. So your ego um, dissolves through these experiences, and it's a kind of a, a scary experience uh, because we're so tied to our identity of who we are, which is essentially our ego. And the ego lives in sort of the prefrontal cortex, um, and and uh, you, what a lot of uh, individuals would describe there as your default mode network. And your default mode network is kind of just on sort of in the background. You're not really paying attention to it, but it's kind of the, the way your day-to-day life uh, kind of goes about. And on these psychedelic substances, you kind of move past your default mode network and you're able to sort of explore different parts of the mind that you aren't sort of typically able to in your regular day-to-day. And where I go with that is you're able to sort of dive a little bit deeper into your hippocampus where a lot of your memories are stored and created. And you also can um, activate your hypothalamus in a different way or de- sort of deactivate it. You sort of work within the brain in different ways. So you kind of move past the default mode, mode network and then your amygdala sort of stimulates the hypothalamus differently so that you actually kind of remove the fear sensors in your body uh, or in your mind. And then you can kind of experience, um, you can experience a lot of your past memories and past experiences in sort of new ways. And ayahuasca is great for that. It's, it's uh, essentially, um, uh, it's probably a little bit harder for a lot of folks, like a, a more gentle experience is maybe more like MDMA, which isn't considered a traditional uh, psychedelic, it's in a pathogen, but it allows you to go into that, uh, those areas stored in the mind, um, removing that, uh, that fear response, and you're kind of able to see things with a, a new level of compassion and love. And so that's uh, trying to, that's me trying to articulate the experience without getting too into the weeds of what the spiritual or esoteric experience could be like. And that, uh, we can go down that path, of course, but I try to keep it at a high level, not knowing exactly who the audience is that's hearing this, right? Well, you know, I appreciate that. I'm definitely interested in the spiritual side of things, especially if you believe that that was a part of this that helped um, because what what's the show all about? It's about supporting the mental health cool. issues and physical health issues. So, I mean, if you believe that it helped that, I mean, I'd love to dive into that a little deeper. Feel free. Cool. Yeah. So I believe that our problems in society are psychological and the solutions are spiritual. And what I mean by that is that there is in the West. Um, I just kind of will, will I'll preface that too, that I believe that in the Western culture, our problems are psychological, our solutions are spiritual. 
in that we are too caught up in the the feedback loop of the default mode network that keeps us in our past experiences and not allowing us to live in the present moment, which will really, which is really the only experience that we have is the present. If you're living in the past, you're or if you're thinking about the past, you're really doing it in 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 the moment. Um, so you're in the present, and this is uh, something that Eckhart Tolle talks about a lot. If you're thinking about your future, then you're you're actually thinking about it in the present. And so you can't actually be in the future and you can't actually be in the past. All we have is the present. But it's something that we have been conditioned to believe uh, or conditioned to sort of behave like where we're in this past, present uh, or um, past, future reality and not living in the present. And so what the experience did for me is it allowed me to connect to what I'll call spirit, which is a, a divine source with in the universe for me that um that i had never been really connected to and, and it can be called the sort of afterlife or where where you know your souls manifest or whatever uh however you want to describe it but for me it was it was divinity and um and that's like kind of your higher source your higher self and and that for me was was um yeah suppressed quite early on so i never really had that connection to spirit and then you know before the the psychedelic experiences i had or tried meditation and, and various ways of sort of tapping into the spirit. But I would call myself a, a spiritual jock where I would kind of sit down for these meditations and try these experiences and be like, I'm going to be the best meditator on the planet. <laughs> I'm going to be Buddha. Yeah. And I'm going to do like, yeah. So I, I completely I, I counterintuitive really, <laughs> exactly. or counterproductive, I guess. Sorry, not, excuse me. Yeah. And the intention for uh, meditation is not to be the best at it. Um, and that's what I uh, was that's what I believed my whole life is just to be the best, be the best. So anyway, um, what, yeah, what ayahuasca allowed me to do is, like I said, connect to that higher self and really see myself in a new way and allow me to have compassion for myself um, and love for myself and an understanding that I am part of a collective experience. I am not an individual in all of uh, this human experience. And I can't remember who said it, but um, we are all just uh, spiritual beings living a human experience. And I really, I, I really understood that when I was on these, uh, when I've been on these, um, on these medicines. And it, what I mean by that is there's a, there's an element of, uh, connecting to a frequency and to spirit and to our ancestors that have, um, that have created this uh, human experience that we have today through the use of, uh, various spiritual modalities. And I think that, um, at the psychological level where we're all coming at things, uh, we're trying too hard to intellectualize the, the issues and, uh, uh, you know, tapping into the spirit a little bit more would allow us to see things from a new perspective in a, in a collective way, in a holistic way. And I think that's something that um, we all need for sure. And that's my general opinion, but um, I definitely absolutely needed um, in a big way. And you said, um, I believe you did not grow up with like a, well, at least you didn't subscribe to maybe anything spiritual or religious. Is that correct? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, my parents, you know, we dabbled, we dabbled in Catholicism, I guess, a little bit of Christianity in, in the church, but we never, um, yeah, we, we weren't too dedicated to it after a certain age. Like I would say around, yeah, around 10 is sort of when I was separated from that. And I don't, I still don't have any connection to um, any sort of religion. I kind of look at them all as sort of saying different things in different ways. And I could like to take from different pieces. Okay. I ask, and the reason I'm willing to go this route, not that I'm not always open to other people's opinions, but I'm particularly willing to go this route with this because 
it's not the first time, and I'm talking without the medicinal psychedelics, that I've heard yeah. someone get healthier and start developing some kind of spiritual connection. I was someone that my grandmother, and she always listened, so hello, grandmother. Um, she has a journal of me at five and a half years old coming in and telling her, like she would have like this little journal of like when my sister and I came over. And apparently I had said to her that day, you know, grandma, there's no such thing as God and there cannot be a God, like my little logical crazy self back then, you know. Um, and it's not like I was like some sad kid. I just really, I was all math, you know. There was no right brain whatsoever. And as I've gotten healthier, the only way I can describe this to people, and I, I you know, I don't mean to go too far out, but it's just my experience. It's Corey's experience, Courtney Hunt, uh, Dr. Courtney Hunt, OBGYN by trade, um, January 6th episode on this show. She had very similar types of things. And I've had clients that have had similar types of things. You get healthier and it feels as if you're getting more connected. And then what's interesting to me is I'm always like trying to live more ancestrally to the degree that that's actually possible in today's world. And when you look at our ancestors, what is one universal thing that the Native Americans had, the Mayans had, ancient Chinese, all over the world, supposedly disconnected cultures, they all believed in something higher. Their interpretations were different, but they absolutely believed in it, and it was a huge part of their culture. So either human beings are inherently flawed because we have delusional beliefs universally about these higher beings or higher consciousness or whatever it might be, or... Or there's actually something to it. That's a great way to leave off. We'll be right back after these quick commercial breaks. <laughs> Folks, does the idea of supporting you or your child's mental health sound appealing, but you have no idea where to start? Do you think it's all just way too complicated to actually apply in a practical way? Well, that's why I published my book last year, Overcoming Mental Health Challenges, How I Resolved 13 Years of Mental Health Issues Naturally. In part one of the book, I share all of the details of my mental health journey. This is meant to relate to those out there suffering as well as validate any symptoms that they may think are strange or abnormal because unfortunately, those of us dealing with mental health issues in silence, we, we may do some things sometimes that seem a little strange and it's really only because no one else talks about it, um, but it turns out a lot of people are actually doing those things. And part two contains all of the basic action steps I took to finally get my mental health under control naturally. You can grab a copy of the book today. It's actually on Amazon right now, and we are celebrating a year since publishing for the month of February. So if you're listening to this in February of 2021, the book is only $9.99. Just go to Amazon and type in Evan Transu, that's T-R-A-N-S-U-E, and get your copy today. Does the pandemic have your hair looking a little funky? Do people stop and glance at you while you walk down the street? Folks, hair salons have been open for a while now. It's time to get that haircut you've been procrastinating. And when you do it, you should head to Hair and Visions in Ottsville, Pennsylvania. Hair and Visions is open Tuesday through Saturday. They specialize in coloring and also offer keratin treatments that give you a you give your hair a smooth finish. Hair and Visions offers haircuts for all ages so you can bring the whole family. Schedule your appointment today by calling 610-847-8894. That's 610-847-8894 and you can tell them Health Coach Ev sent you. And we are back for our final segment here. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and I'm your host. We're talking to Corey Firth out of Canada. Really interesting topic today, um, and I always say that, but, you know, seriously, this one's particularly interesting to me. An hour is certainly not enough time. We might have to have him back 
for the Off the Air podcast. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, by the way, and I do produce episodes that are not on the radio show since we only have this hour per week um, that also talk about these topics. So definitely go check that out. Health Coach Ev Show on any major podcast platform. Now, Corey, you had kind of gotten pretty deep pretty quick, and I love it. We're talking about more I think you said this, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I heard or I misheard you, that our problems are psychological, but the solution is spiritual. Is that correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. And, you know, Corey had an experience where he was down in Costa Rica on this retreat um, using something called ayahuasca. And ayahuasca is a, a pretty powerful psychedelic and hallucinogen. Um, and that's what I wanted to talk about next really quickly, because you're explaining all of these very deep shifts in consciousness and perspective that are absolutely profound. And I hear that all the time from people. I know a few people who have gone to South America or Central America and done this and universally almost they have similar experiences, at least conceptually. But the thing that I've never understood is aren't there like extremely powerful visuals happening during this experience? And if that's correct, how the heck do you even take a second to think about your life or your perspectives on things when you might be seeing some Something you've never seen before in your life. Like, how do those things mix together? Well, I think that's part of the that's part of the experience. And I think what maybe we were talking about just before the break, this idea that um, there's all this connection to something higher than ourselves. That higher self is trying to show us something in various different ways. I like to think, you know, of intuition and higher self being able to talk to us, but they don't have language. They have visuals. They have feelings right? Your intuition just has a feeling and your higher self can't really speak to you. Your ego is that language in your brain, but there's ways in which that, uh, these spirits will talk to you, uh, in various ways through, throughout that experience. And so you have all these, uh, sort of crazy visuals, but they're all meant to tell you a story. And some of them can be scary. Some of them can be, um, intimidating. Some of them can be absolutely beautiful, like the craziest, most beautiful visuals you will ever, ever seen in your life. And that's the, that's the combination, in my opinion, of the substance and the practitioner working together to provide an experience for you and your subconscious to sort of connect to something um, a little bit deeper. And like, and like we we're saying, just on that spiritual level. And so I think for, for anyone that's considering uh, something like this, and you, uh, first of all, uh, don't do any of this by yourself. Uh, for one, you mentioned like the idea of <laughs> on the weekend, you're joking about that on the weekend doing ayahuasca. That's not something that anyone would recommend to you having had the experience, but do your due diligence to find someone who you trust that is going to be able to um, sit with you and deliver an experience that you believe will be transformative. Um, make sure, cause there are a lot of people in the space um, that are uh, like anything trying to um, create various ideologies or, push various thinking on people. And that can be uh, not very informative or not very um, uh, inclusive of the whole experience. And so you want to make sure you find somebody that you trust um, looking out for uh, different reviews and references for people um, and find someone that you know will be able to guide you through that experience. So if things do get a little bit crazy, they can help you sort of ground back into what the visuals are trying to show you. Like for me, the uh, one of the crazy visuals that I had was, um, uh, so the first night I didn't really have much of an experience at all in terms of visuals or the sort of psychedelic traditional thinking. Um, I had a way hard, I had a way more visual and intense experience with the, the hero dose of mushrooms that I did this kind of few months before. 
And so I was kind of like there were people in the room having very obvious experiences out loud, and I'm kind of wanting that, and nothing really happens. The second night, I take a, a, the first cup in the ceremony, and I, again, sort of not really feeling much, like a little bit, almost like a drunk feeling, like on alcohol. And I was just kind of really wanting something, and I and I wasn't getting it. So I took a break. I went outside. There's a maloka they have. This is the the facility in which you do the do the uh, the ceremony. And I went outside and I laid down on the on the ground. And then all of a sudden the um, the experience sort of set in, and I was sort of connecting to the universe in a different way. And I had these immense visuals of of me connecting to the stars and the and the moon and the and the mother earth and sinking into the into the earth and connecting with the earth. And then also having a connection from my heart up to the moon and into the universe. And it was showing me that I am part of the whole. And at first, when you, when you feel that and have never felt that or seen that before, you can imagine what I'm saying when I'm melting into the earth and connecting to the moon. That sounds insane to, to anyone that's hearing this right now, I'm sure. But when you come back in and then you sit with someone who's um, guiding you through that experience, they can, uh, whether it's through music, through touch, uh, and various other ways, they can bring you back into the meaning of that. And that for me was my understanding that I'm connected in a deeper way through um, this planetary experience that I was never really connected to before. And so I hope that describes that, that for you or maybe that some of the, what the craziness um, really is trying to tell you. And it's different for everybody, but it's about um, working with the right people and taking your time to um, integrate those experiences to really understand what they mean. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a great description, man. I mean, honestly, it sounds beautiful. I'm not sure that uh, I'm ready for something like that yet in my life. I've definitely always had problems with, you know, letting go and control. But uh, I, I'll put it on the record that it's a fascination of mine. And, you know, being 25 now, if I live a normal life expectancy, um, I could imagine something like that happening at some time in a proper setting and, you know, a legal appropriate setting. I'm, I'm all for that. So very interesting stuff for sure. Uh, we got about like four and a half minutes left in the show. I'm curious, you know, the, the biggest thing is here, you did this stuff, you had these experiences and that's wonderful. How did that actually work for the mental health issues that you had though? Was this something that you leave the retreat and it's good and everything's fine? Or was it more you leave the retreat and now you know what to go do? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because that's, probably the number one thing to consider when you are looking into using psychedelics for this purpose. Um, the word is integration. So if, um, and integration starts before the experience. So integration is the idea of taking what you sort of experienced and, and applying it to your regular day to day. And that why I say it, it, it starts in the beginning is you, cause, because you want to have built, you want to have built some practices and some ideas of how to um, sit with and, and, and see uh, how your behavior is uh, contributing to either the positive or the negative of your current environment. And so things like meditation and there's grounding exercises and breathing exercises and journaling and things like that are things that I would recommend in the beginning to sort of build practice up before you have an experience, whether it's with a legal therapist in North America or in something like I've experienced down in Central America or even in maybe in the jungle in Peru, for example, um, it's integration. You want to really have uh, a, a bit of a plan, a bit of an idea of how you want to take um, what you have experienced and, and be able to integrate it into your life. And so, no, you don't, you don't have that. Ex you have uh, what, the, what they kind of consider to be called like an afterglow. So you definitely feel blissful and high on the experience and, and really connected and 
and loving and, and things have definitely shifted. And for me, my suicidal ideation ended there, but that's my own unique experience. Mm. Um, like I said, I, I definitely um, had to come back and, and integrate a lot of it. And the best um, maybe analogy for this, it's, it's from a book title from um, Jack Cornfield. Um, it's called After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. And um, what he talks about in the book is this idea of, yeah, chasing bliss and going after these uh, metaphysically and beautiful experiences and connections to divinity. But when you come back, you have to do the laundry. So what's going to come up is you're going to see that your relationships don't quite act. Um, specifically, that happened to me. I was with a, a, a girlfriend and it didn't work out for us afterwards. And it was just um, part of the whole experience. Uh, regardless of if I went and did ayahuasca, that relationship was probably going to end. But um, you have to come back and sort of see things a little bit differently, and you can't really react right away. So you have to learn how to sort of cope with things. And that's part of uh, maybe part of what needs to be sort of developed still in the space, specifically in North America, is really strong integration practices. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with the Canadian Psychedelic Association here is is to connect the community under a unified sort of aligned message and and movement and part of that is integration so coming back and being able to connect with people that have had these experiences tell them what you experienced um, go through it in a group environment almost like a group coaching model in the health space and and share and 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 learn from others that have been through it while i said the the experiences are very subjective and unique to you everyone has their own ways of getting out um, and getting through what you need to learn from the experience to integrate into your life to have a positive impact. And so, um, yeah, if, if this is sort of any recommendation that I have, it's, it's think about integration, think about um, the approach for what you're gonna do when you come back and think about um, how these experiences really interact with your day-to-day -day emotions and behaviors. All right, man, well, thank you so much for giving us the music. I will drop in the show notes where people can find you. And well, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Health Coach Up Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and we've been talking to Mr. Corey for Thank you so much for being here today, Corey, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Evan. Take care. Hey, folks, it's your buddy Health Coach Ev here. Just wanted to hop on really quick because... Corey and I got a little out of hand on the radio and we actually ran out of time. So I did not get a second to ask him about his links, even though, of course, they're going to be in the show notes. I knew that there was going to be multiple and unfortunately, we just pushed the time a little too close. That's the only thing that stinks about radio. It's very fun, but you are on a tight time crunch. So Corey, my bad, my friend, but I'm going to read your links out here. The Canadian Psychedelic Association can be found at www.psychedelicassociation.net. On Instagram, their handle is at Psychedelic Association. Facebook is facebook.com slash Canadian Psychedelic Association. So I think you're kind of getting the gist by now. And for personal, you can go to instagram.com slash Corey Firth. That's F-I-R-T-H. LinkedIn.com slash I-N slash Corey Firth. And for his podcast, it is called... The Innate in Us podcast. So you could simply search that on Spotify or Apple, or you could click directly into the show links to find those. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.